Here's Buddy Franklin knocked away by Morris. Couldn't mark it. Naismith, Kennedy, handball out to Buddy. Buddy tackled by Morris. Oh! Dropping the ball. Boyd took the advantage and played on from inside the centre square. Boyd's kicked the goal. Boyd's oh! kicked the goal from inside the centre. Yes, hello guys and welcome to the SC Playbook podcast for round one of the AFL season 2023, proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice, SEW. My name is Eddie. As always, I'm going to be hosting things today, uh, but got got a couple of very special guests on the line. We've got an absolute stack of things to talk about today. Uh, I can't quite believe that we're going to be able to get through this in the next hour or so, but... We're going to try our best. Uh, helping me out, as always, is uh, one of the goats of the Supercoach game, uh, Stevie Nico, coach of Lovsky FC, overall Supercoach runner-up in 2021. Nico, uh, you're looking very stylish in uh, standing up in the bedroom there. It's very, it's an interesting setup you've got going. Uh, walk me through it. Yeah, it's a little uh, study nook slash spare bedroom in here. A bit of, bit of setting of the mood with the lamp on in the background as well. I it's noticed a little bit that. Late I like now, it. So just got home from work, mate. So, yeah, look... Working on a little bit of fumes, but uh, we'll we'll get through talking super coach, no doubt. Uh, you've already put through a few. You've already put through a few excellent ideas in the chat today. I'm very keen to pick your brain on all that's happened in round one. Uh, and joining me on the other line, uh, he's he's a big time Twitter guru at this point. Uh, it's the SC Bandit. Uh, Bandit, how are you going? If you if you're not following him on Twitter, go and chuck him a follow. He's doing great work over there. Uh, what's news in your world, Bandit? Hey, uh, hey, Eddie. Hey, Nico. Uh, yeah, good to be good to be back on. Uh, yeah, just nice to have some footy back. Really, it feels like mm. it's been a long time coming. We had sort of a, an elongated preseason where there wasn't much action outside of that one uh, lot of practice games. But yeah, footy's finally back, and we've got some some big issues to talk about, which uh, I'm looking forward to. Um, I absolutely can't wait for it. Now, boys, uh, before we get stuck into the Supercoach uh, section of the podcast, I did want to just just crow a little bit about a certain team's performance on the weekend. As you might have noticed, I'm wearing my uh, my Bombers 1993 Premiership T-shirt, uh, just really rubbing it in Bandit's face as a Hawthorne fan. Uh, Bandit, talk me through what happened on Sunday Arvo at the G there. Well, you can't be gloating too much if you're wearing a T-shirt that's, th- that's uh, what, 20 years old. But uh, anyway. Uh, 30. 30 yeah. years old, yeah. Jeez, it's, it's, it's late. It's late I'd, I'd, kill, day, for, yeah, I'd but, kill for this uh, to be 20 years old, Bandit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, man, it's just, it's just how Hawthorne are going to be this year, aren't they? They're, they're, they're going to struggle. I think that much is clear. But, um, yeah, having Mitch Lewis out, I think, is probably the one one player you can't afford to lose out of that team at the moment. And, um, yeah, he's not going to be there for the next probably month or so. So it could be, um, could be a long year for us Hawthorne supporters, I think. I suggest it might be. If you're not on Hawthorne for the spoon, uh, on Better, of course, our friends at Better, I'd probably have a look at that one because uh, whatever they're paying, it's going to be overs. Uh, Nico, what about you? Uh, you're just keeping, just got a little big grin on your face over there. I can see you are very, very happy with the Pies' performance on Friday night against the, the reigning Premiers. Uh, I was, mate. I was I was in the stands um, watching Nick Dacos running around doing as he pleased and yeah, it was um, it was a really good win. Um, I, I joked around with a couple of Geelong supporters around me, uh, saying, "Oh, we've got you where we want you." When we're a couple of goals behind it, you know, during the third quarter. Um, so yeah, look, obviously our our fitness is still um, pretty strong and um, getting us over the line in 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 matches, which is great. Super impressive the way they ran over the top of them. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we're going to get to Nick Dacos at some point in this podcast, but uh, blimey, feels like a bit of a feels like a bit of a mistake not trusting the gut with it, that one and starting with him, Nico, because he was absolutely unreal. Uh, enough of real footy talk, boys. Let's get into a bit of the fake footy stuff. Um, just I just want to find out how you went over the weekend. My team, uh, 1986, uh, puts me in about 35,000th overall. Um, feeling okay about things. Uh, don't think I made any massive mistakes. Laird kind of feels like one. Um, we're going to talk about him a fair bit later, but that kind of feels like a miss. I didn't didn't like what I saw out of his game. Um, Will Day is the other one that's sitting there and probably isn't as, as settled as I'd like, but I actually was quite happy with his game. We are going to talk about him as well, um, but I thought he got enough of the ball, had the decent role, just couldn't use the ball enough. So feeling overall okay about where my team sits at the moment. Um, what about you, Bandit? Walk me through your weekend, how you went, um, where you're sitting, and yeah, any big mistakes or anything that you, that you feel you might have you might have hit over the weekend? Uh, yeah, my week was pretty good. Uh, scored two thousand and sixty, which I think puts me at about fourteen thousand overall. So yeah, that's a pretty pretty solid start. Um, didn't have Tom Stewart, uh, so dodged that bullet. I do have Rory Laird, but I didn't captain him, so that was probably a, a key move as well. Um, I had Bonson Pelly as captain, which probably given the 
given the week, um, was a was a pretty good result. Um, outside of that, uh, Liam Jones looks like a bit of a looks like a bit of an error, which might need to be corrected um, next week potentially if he doesn't play. But um, yeah, outside of that, um, my team was pretty pretty stock standard. So um, yeah, no no major issues really, thankfully, which is um, which is always a positive. I think he top scored in our uh, SC Playbook Contributors League banner, which was a fantastic effort. Probably not the greatest of week from the uh, the SC Playbook lads overall. I think we, we might have got sucked into a few players together. Uh, Nico, what about you? How was your weekend? I got 2005, so pretty happy I scraped over that 2000 milestone, um, which got me to a rank of 29,137, so in the top 17%. So not too bad a start. I'm with the Peloton. You know, I haven't... I'm not too far back, um, so I'm pretty happy, comfortable with that. A couple of issues in my team that obviously, you know, we'll need to look at resolving. Um, obviously, you know, hindsight's a, a wonderful thing and, and having Rory Laird captain um, really hurt. So, yeah, that is what I think, it is. Bandit, you did amazingly well to avoid that one. Um, really, really smart call. The other one that, that also felt like a mistake that I missed before was uh, taking uh, Jacob Hopper. Not, not 100% sure on that one. Um, I think I, it was one of those ones where I think I just went with the pack, um, not really believing that Hopper was going to be amazing and just sort of banking on it as sort of a, you know, a, a low-risk move given the, the team around him. But, I mean, on on the what we saw over the weekend, I'm not overly thrilled with his game. Nico, did you catch that Thursday night game? Yeah, I did. I watched it, obviously, you know, keen as for, for the first, you know, match of the season. Uh, I thought he just kind of looked a little bit slow, a little bit, you know, off the pace. Uh, he's been out of the game, I think, for a little bit. So perhaps, you know, he'll just build into the season, I think. So I think he's still going to be a good pick. I think he had the right role. His CBA numbers were up. Just didn't use the ball very well. Um, I think that's probably going to be a bit of a theme of this podcast is uh, just not overreacting um, at this point. We have only really seen one round of football. Um, yeah, I think it's one of those things where, yeah, you really could rush into a bad decision this round rather than giving it a week to settle. I think that's definitely going to be the case with Worry Led for me. Um, ben, any ob- other observations over the weekend? Anyone that you missed that you that you would really like to have on your side at this point? Um, probably not. Um, as Nico said, like I think a lot of, um, my team. If uh, I actually posted my team on Twitter uh, on Sunday once all the all the players were locked, but um, yeah, there's no one really that stood out in terms of a must-have that I missed. Um, I had all the all the main rookies who I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about um, through this episode, but um, yeah, in terms of um, needing to trade players out or anything like that, there was no one really that stood out for me in terms of needing to bring guys in. So. Uh, yeah, it'll just be a sort of sit and watch this week and just um, yeah, get another week of data under the belt and then we can make some trades uh, next week. We missed a trick, lads. Crisp N1, Raul, M2. The, uh, mm, that the team, team of the week of the was week. quite something yep. to look at, wasn't it? Uh, all those mid-price mids, I think he had to go in there as well. Um, yeah, impressive stuff, whoever that was. Uh, I'm not sure if it's going to win too many other games along the way, but we'll see how we go. Um, boys, I wanted to try a new segment today, and uh, yeah, we've already had a bit of discussion offline about it. Um, I'm calling it the the SC Playbook Most Valuable and Least Valuable Supercoach Player of the Year Awards. Um, basically, how we're going to do it is uh, each week, the three of us on the podcast are going to give out three two ones for the players we find we think were the most valuable for the week in Supercoach and the least valuable as well. So basically a a chance for you guys to to give some plaudits to guys that you want to uh, and stick the boot in a little bit to guys who might have let you down a little bit over the weekend. I've made this criteria intentionally broad. Um, You guys can can take players from your own team. You can take players from the comp as a whole. Uh, I'm basically just keen to give out some votes and at the end of the year we can tally them up and see where we stand. I'll kick us off. Um, My MVP of the week is going to be Finn Callahan. Um, I think it's one of those ones where he really outperformed what my uh, he outperformed what I kind of expected as a really good outcome was going to be for him. Um, and after the first half, he didn't really look that into it, really got going in the second half, ended up with 101 points. He's only in 26% of teams. He's only priced at 244K. Uh, he is my most valuable player of the week award. Uh, Nico, where did you go with the three votes? I went with Cogs, believe it or not. Um, oh, my so God. The 100, 143 points. Everyone seemed to jump off Cogs and get on Golden, so I'm pretty happy that um, you know that it's 28 points, you know, to, to Cogs in in that one on one. You know, eligible as a forward playing inside mid, uh, he really just showed us what he can do. 
He was absolutely magnificent. And a few of those GWS mids, Tom Green as well, we might get a mention later, but uh, he was absolutely brilliant too. I, they, I don't know quite how they dragged that game back from where it was midway through the second quarter, but a really impressive win from the Giants. Love that, Nico. Bandit, where have you gone? Uh, siding with Nico as well. Uh, Cogs got the the three from me. Uh, yeah, they wow. pretty much just got back into the into that game against Adelaide on the back of, uh, as you said, Cogs and and Tom Green after after Josh Kelly went down with concussion. I think Whitfield um, was taken off as well with with injury. So um, yeah, huge game from Cogs and and well done for those who who stuck that with him. Indeed, that was a very tempting offload to Goulden, and I think if you've managed to stay fat with Cogs there, you've done very, very well. Um, my two votes is going to go to Jordan Ridley. He was only in 13% of teams, uh, 107, loved the role. He was brilliant. Kicked his first goal in AFL footy, which was uh, one of the great moments of the weekend for me. Um, so Jordan Ridley gets my two, and I'll give you my one as well. Um, it's going to go to Tom Green. Uh, he was magnificent, as we mentioned. One of the reasons they brought that game back, 134. He's going to be in a lot of teams. I haven't even checked the stats, but it's probably almost 50% of teams at this point. Um, so he was absolutely brilliant. He's in 35%. So he, there are my two and my one. Nico, what about your two and one for most valuable player of the weekend? Uh, just on um, uh, points per value, I guess, and his starting price, I went Harry Sheasel uh, for two votes. So had him at F6 and he's 114 on field. So very happy with that. Uh, and one to Tom Green, probably like he was, yeah, look, they're probably on a par those two, um, to be honest, but I just went uh, Tom Green one just because I kind of expected it from him. That was my thinking as well. Sheasel, very unlucky to miss out on mine. The only reason that he didn't make it is just because the amount of teams that have him at this point. I think he's in pretty much anyone's team that's taking it seriously. So he uh, he just, just missed out for me. Bandit, you're two and one. Yeah, I have two to another North Melbourne player, Luke Davies Uniac. Uh, huge pod mm. for, for those who stuck fat with him after a pretty mediocre um, preseason game. I think we can just put that down to the fact he was just out there ticking the legs over in that preseason game. So uh, well done to those who, who stuck fat with him. He looks like he's got a, a massive ceiling again this year. Uh, and then the one vote uh, for me went to Harry Sheasel. We love a, a rookie ton. Uh, and it looks like he might be a player in that sort of Nick Dacos mould who could um could average you know eighty five to ninety in that in that halfback role um just looks super composed on the weekend albeit against pretty um, mediocre opposition but uh, yeah for early signs you couldn't have asked for much more love it bandit I thought that's uh, very well summed up now we're going to rush through this one a little bit with our least valuable players as well I'm just going to give you my three votes two votes and one vote off the bat. Three, I think we're probably all going to have the same. It's Rory Laird. Uh, he gets the three. Just really uninspiring. Looked disinterested. I know it was hot in Sydney. Um, he had the, I think he attended the usual amount of centre bounces that he would. Uh, he just couldn't get near it. Didn't look interested. Didn't tackle. Um, yeah, he gets my three. Two votes go to Jacob Hopper. Um, as I mentioned, a little underwhelmed with what I saw from him. Didn't like just the whacking on the boot and hoping it gets down the ground somewhere. And then one vote, perhaps a little bit rough, but in terms of my expectations for him, uh, Jack Steele underperformed with a 90. Uh, that's not what I really wanted from him. Um, I know Bandit's absolutely, Bandit's groaning at me there, and I think it's a very rough call, but just in terms of my own expectations, you didn't quite hit them. Uh, Nico, where do you go with the, the least valuable player of the week? Yeah, three for Rory Lair, just purely on expectation and, and captaincy score. And uh, I know we said we weren't going to have injured players, but I've given two to Liam Jones. Mm. And the reason is he had 40% time on ground when he was subbed off for his five. So yeah. he was on track for a 20. So and he wasn't going to score for us. So he's made his way in there. And I've given one to Tanner Bruin for his poor 60 score uh, and... 64% time on ground, which looks like going to be a, a major issue uh, going forward. Special mention yeah, to indeed. Constable, Chester, Hopper, and Ashcroft. Love it. Oh, Thank you, you Nico. In there as well. Yeah, Ashcroft. Gee <laughs> whiz, that's rough. First gamer. My God. What have we devolved yeah, into over here? It'll be a bit of a slower burn than, than I expected. That's all. Ah, oh, that's rough. Uh, oh, Bandit, what have, you, what have you gone for with the, the least valuable player? Oh, geez, you're a harsh judge, you two. Um, yeah, three led, pretty self-explanatory. Um, no, no need to go in any more into that. I hope he's not a fantasy or super coach player and listens to podcasts because he'd be absolutely copying it from all angles. Oh, no. <laughs> After one of the great <laughs> seasons all time in 2022, he's just yeah, people forget very easily, don't they? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I went, I went hunting Fremantle players for my two and one. So Nat Fife uh, was the obvious two voter for me. Mm. Um, just, it's almost sad the way he sort of dropped off a cliff, to be honest. He's just a shadow of that um, Brownlow winning 
impact midfielder that we've seen in, in years gone by. So I hope Freo don't leave him to rot in that forward pocket for the rest of the year because um, they may find that he'll look to play his footy elsewhere next year potentially if he does. Um, and then the one voter, again, maybe a touch harsh, but um, Andrew Brayshaw only putting up 70 against a St Kilda midfield that was pretty depleted on the weekend um, is not really what you want to see from a bloke um, that we paid over 600k for, so uh, he'll need to lift this week. Love it, boys. Uh, just quickly on Fife, Nick, I heard uh, David King on Waitley's show on Monday suggesting that if he, as Bandit says, if he doesn't get a move back into the midfield at Freo this year, he might look elsewhere. And one of the clubs he mentioned was Collingwood um, would potentially be looking for a big-bodied mid like Nat Fife. Uh, yeah, what do you reckon? Would you have him there? don't think so. We kind of just got Titch for that sort of main reason. So, yeah. And the way, the way we play, our game style is quite fast. I don't think we'd be able to carry Fife and Titch in the same team. It's a very well summed up situation there, Nico. We're going to need to get you on Waitley instead of Kingy. Um, now, guys, you've been listening to me talk a lot about home loans over the last 12 months on the show, and most people are probably thinking they're way off being in that position and that it's irrelevant to them. But the boys at, boys at Mortgage Choice SCW can get you a loan for pretty much anything. It doesn't have to be a house. So if Santa brushed you for a PS5 this year or maybe the toolbox needs an upgrade and your boss is too stingy to chip in, Patty and George at Mortgage Choice SCW can make the dream a reality. And the best part... No more sacrificing your avocados for two-minute noodles because the $129 fee is waived when you mention SC Playbook. The loans are quick and easy with the money dropping in your pocket within days. So after a few years of COVID causing us grief, treat yourself in 2023 and shoot them a message on their Instagram handle at Pat and George Mortgage Choice to get it sorted. You can also jump into any of the articles on our website for their email, phone, or QR code details if that's easier. Now, boys, we have a stack of things to get into this week. Um, as usual in the pod- on the podcast, we're going to go through them sort of issue by issue, very vaguely ranked in the order of what I think are the most important issues facing super coaches this week and, and what I think towards what I think is more of a, a luxury discussion. So we're going to start off, uh, and I think it's probably a good place to start with, the Tom Stewart injury uh, that came through on Friday night. Looked like he sort of rolled an ankle or a knee or some sort of lower leg injury on the turf at the MCG, which um, is a separate discussion, but didn't look great at the time. Um, it sounds like the news is probably a little better than we expected when we first saw the injury. Uh, Bandit, given you're on top of all things Twitter news and everything going on in the AFL world, can you just uh, uh, just to firstly lead us off on Stuart, can you, can you bring us up to speed with, uh, with the latest news we've heard about the injury? Yeah, so I think from memory he's done a medial ligament, uh, just a strain, not a tear or a, a rupture or anything like that. So uh, at this point, the Cats expect him to miss anywhere from sort of three to four. I suspect it would be anywhere. Um, that would be an absolute minimum. Um, I can't see them rushing him back early in the season, given that they'll probably um, be playing finals. I want to make sure he's 100% uh, fit. But, yeah, he's obviously out for at least three, three to four, so... Uh, yeah, definitely a trade if you're an owner in, uh, in Supercoach. So the current wording I'm seeing them use is uh, back within a month. So it does sound like sort of on the three-year end of a four-weeker injury. Um, Nico, are you a Stuart owner? Um, and if you were, what would you thinking? What would you be doing at this point in time? And what would be the options on the table for you? Okay, so I'm not an owner. So I dodged that one. I went Doherty instead. So I think there's two options here. You can go straight to Sicily. Uh, who I think is the better option over Dawson. Or you can go down to Dacos if you need to upgrade a mid-pricer somewhere else and you need that money. So I think they're the two sort of avenues I'd take if I was an owner. If I had someone like Lockie Ash or Tanner Bruin or if I went, you know, Baker or Cunnington or Clark or Fife, one of these guys, I'd probably use that money from downgrading to Dacos to, to upgrade those players. Bandit, where do we stand with Dacos after this first week that we've seen him play? Is he the sort of type that you think is almost a sideways trade in terms of scoring? Is he going to give you the same scoring capacity as a Stewart or a Doherty or a Dawson at this point? Or or is it sort of the cash that you sort of have to weigh up as well with the Dacos decision? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think, I think if you're going down Dacos or Ridley or someone like that, you're almost prepared to sacrifice that little bit of scoring capacity just to free up a bit of extra cash. Um Obviously, we saw on the weekend when teams don't pay him the respect that he deserves, he's obviously going to score really well. Um, I wouldn't expect that to be the norm for him because I think there will be teams who put quite a bit of time into him. Um, but, yeah, look, it's, it's not a bad option. Like like Nico said, if um, if you've got a player that needs uh, fixing up elsewhere, um, you can definitely take that 100K from 
from Stuart and, uh, yeah, put it somewhere else. Just looking at the fixture, uh, in three weeks, um, the Cats play West Coast, so I dare say he's going to be missing four weeks. Um, they, would, they wouldn't rush him back. Um, and That's a very smart call. Then they've got the Swans the week after in round six, potentially his first game back, and he might get the Ryan Clark tag there. So he could be extremely cheap coming into round seven, eight. That's going to be tasty, and he's got a very attractive buy as well. Um, as we've discussed offline, he and he, I think he's in that round 13 buy where it's basically only the Cats and the Gold Coast who have that buy. So um, that is where we're sort of looking towards first upgrades. Uh, Bandit, yeah, does that make him a, sort of a more attractive option coming back off that injury? Yeah, he's definitely a, a wait and see. But yeah, like, like Nico said, he's going to be dirt cheap for what he has um, given us in the past by way of um, super coach output. Uh, on a side note, great news for Radical Air owners who all of a sudden went from um, having a fringe player who might not be in the team for that long um, to suddenly he's got a month worth of job security under his belt. So mm. uh, yeah, got Radical Air. Um, yeah, he should um, he should be a decent enough cash cow, I reckon. Did you guys see Radical Air got... Radically got six coaches' votes for that game. Yeah, and he got like 19 Dream Team. Yeah, I think I saw some shout-out to Useless AFL Stats on uh, on Facebook. He said, I think that was the lowest-scoring AFL fantasy game for the highest number of coaches' votes ever. So, well done to Radicalia. I think another key point to make with Stuart is that um, you don't need to panic if you've got him. He's in 32% of teams. Um, So, you're not going to be too far behind the eight ball if you got him and you had to use a trade now. It's actually kind of an opportunity. Um, Yeah, as we've been saying, Dacos looks amazing. Um, so if you did want to bank that you know, 100K and you get Dacos as well, who looks like he could be a top six mid, if not a top three mid at this point. Um, the other option I just wanted to throw at you guys quickly, and I did mention him earlier, was Jordan Ridley. Nick, I don't know how much you caught of the, the Hawthorne-Essendon game, but um, that was kind of all I was hoping for as a Ridley owner. It, it was everything I was after. Um, did you catch it? And what were your thoughts on him as potentially a, a POD option over Dacos? Uh, look, I only watched the KO minis. Um... Uh, to be honest with you, mate, because um, having a one-year-old and a three-year-old is is kind of a bit insane. So I don't get to watch a lot of the footy, but look, from what I saw and, and looking at the stats and stuff, he looked clean. Didn't take a lot of intercept marks or anything like that, probably because, I don't know, maybe the opposition weren't as good as, as what you know they, they could have been. I think that's um, fair to say. So And he kicked the goal as well. So, yeah, I think he was flying, wasn't he, at halftime? He was like on quite a like 60 odd or 70 odd and, and he ended up you know getting slightly over the 100 but i think that that tells you the hawthorne were competitive up until half time yeah. so when the ball was getting in there um that it just didn't really didn't really go inside forward 50 i saw uh to, to, i think to about one minute left in the third quarter hawthorne had, had two disposals inside 50 for the entire quarter so um that's how yeah. well they were going so he didn't really have that opportunity in the he's, second half he's obviously um, done well then um, he was good he was really signs good. Look on forward yep I mean, I think it's. I think the answer is probably obvious here, Bandit, isn't it? Like, if you if you have the, the the option between Dacos and Ridley, you probably have to go Dacos, don't you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think my one concern about Ridley is just how many mouths there are to feed in that Essendon team. I mean, you look at the scores, and Mason Redmond outscored Ridley on the weekend, and they're both sort of similar players in terms of the role that they they play. Redmond probably not as much of an intercept marker, but like you said, Ridley did Ridley didn't really have to do that on the weekend, so. Um, yeah, I'd probably go Dacos over over Ridley, but um, if you don't need that extra cash, I'd be tempted to go straight up to Sicily and just lock in a top six defender. I agree with that. Look, there's absolutely no way that Port Adelaide is going to let Nick Dacos do what he did against Geelong. I think Geelong were just too arrogant going into that game, and they literally didn't even try and block any run of his or do anything. I don't think I saw a player go within five metres of him. He was just buzzing around, demanding the ball, shooing players out of the way just so he can get the ball in that spot and then deliver inside 50. He was just literally doing whatever he wanted. You're not going to see that again. The, the comp's on alert. They know what he can do. They know how good he is. Um, if it's not Drew going to him, it'll be it'll just be some attention on him, bumping him off the ball, all that kind of stuff. And it'll probably just knock down, you know, his average overall for the year, uh, you know, a little bit. But you're going to get big spike games when, when people decide to let him off the leash for some reason. It is kind of crazy. I mean, I can't remember many second-year players that uh, that look this good and are going to, like you say, Nico, cause the competition to to really take notice. I mean, he was just uh, just mind-blowingly good. Um, he His kicking is unbelievable. He like, he was hitting players that I was like, you can't even hit that. 
it, it's every decision he makes looks brilliant. Even the handballs, like the simple one twos that he does, like he moves through. Anyway, I could talk about Nick Dacos for a long time. He's going to be he's running around on his star. toes too. He's just fit as a fiddle and just he looks amazing. He's just unreal. Um, Nick and I, Nico and I need to have a quick cold shower. Um, but in the meantime, <laughs> we probably need to talk about someone that's that I don't think is going to get us uh, so excited, and that's Liam Jones. Nico, you mentioned earlier he had that 40% time on ground for his five super coach points on the weekend. So it wasn't just an injury worry for him. It was an everything kind of worry. Now, I didn't actually watch the Melbourne Bulldogs game, so I'm not probably best place to comment this. I might, so I might throw it straight to you, Nico. What did you see out of that game that worried you about Jones? I guess, well, look, I, I didn't watch the game either, to, to be honest. But look, the thing that worries me is that he's done this in the past. He's had a six score from 100% game time uh, a few years back. Um, he did go on to average 70 for the season. So he does have the ability to score well, but his floor is ridiculously low. Um, so maybe it was just the um, maybe it was just the opposition, like, again, maybe... Um, Maybe Melbourne's forwards were just, I don't know, a bit too good, a bit too quick, and he just didn't get a chance to intercept. Uh, so hopefully if hopefully he does get named um, this week and we can actually see you know, a bit of improvement. Um, but I think he might have just been playing a bit more lockdown potentially than a bit more intercepty, which you know we don't want to see. Indeed. Um, very encouraging news from an injury perspective with him. I mean, it looked bad immediately, but the signs are that he's a chance to play this week. And if not this week, he should play next week. So I think the absolute worst case scenario here, Bennett, is that we miss him for this week, but we get to use him as a loop option for a Lockie Cowan or a Hollands on a Thursday night. Um, is that actually probably a pretty good result, all things considered? Yeah, it probably is, to be honest. Uh, I mean, that's that's exactly what I'll do. I'll just I'll just hold him this week, and regardless of whether he plays or not, he'll still be of use, I suppose, because um, the good thing is that um, the Bulldogs actually play after Carlton and uh, Brisbane this week. So if you want to loop him with Cowan or Wilmot or someone like that, um, that's definitely an option. Indeed. Um, that's probably all we need to discuss with Liam Jones. We'll move on from him. Uh, Josh Kelly is the next one. Nico, you've been a massive Josh Kelly fan all preseason. Um, you've been hyping him up. You love him. Um, and to be fair, he looked absolutely magnificent in, in for big parts of that game on the weekend. Um, it sounds like he has been named on the injury report as having a one to two week concussion, which as we banded, I think you mentioned uh, earlier in the preseason is going to be a bit of a common theme this year with concussions probably ending up being two week injuries for the most part. Uh, so, Nico, with a two-week Kelly on the sidelines, uh, what does that do for your team? Uh, look, I actually didn't start him, Eddie, so oh I've, my dodged, God. I've dodged that one. Um, you dog, Nico. You know what it is? It's because Phillips wasn't named best 22, so I had to change things around. It just It's amazing. It ruined everything uh, last minute. You did ask which player is going to ruin your structure, I think, a, a couple of podcasts ago, or last podcast, and Will Phillips is the answer. Um Look, Josh Kelly looked really good. He was on his way for a 120. Kingsley has come out and said it should just be a one-weeker because the 11th day or the 12th day is the day before the match. So um, it just depends if he's got any delayed symptoms um, from that that knock. Um, So it does look like it could be a one-weeker. If you've got decent cover um, or you can loop um, him, then maybe that's the way to go and hold your primo for a one-week injury. I'm seeing a lot of people on Twitter, including uh, our very own Rain Man, um, saying that he is probably going to trade Kelly at this point. He did say this yesterday before I think we knew that you know that he was only going to be out a week. So Rain Man reckons he's going Kelly to Tom Green, Fife to Peddler, and uh, Jones to either Ridley or Dacos, which, I mean, on paper mm. looks pretty good. Um, Bannon, is that kind of a waste of a trade, though, if Kelly's only going to be out for the one week? Um, probably not. Um, I think in a scenario like that where you get you know, two primos, you trade out a mid-pricer and effectively a rookie price player in Jones. Um, that's probably you're probably improving your team on on the whole, so that's probably not a not a bad trade. But as Nico said, if you've got decent cover, if you've got you know Cam McKenzie on your bench, or uh, if Charlie Constable can um, actually hit a target this week, then you know you might be able to scrape through without um, without needing to trade him. But um, yeah, concussions can be can be tricky because as we know, there's no definitive timeline for, for everyone. Everyone's different. So, um, yeah, it'll just be a, a case-by-case basis for, for lots of people. But I think uh, there is a bit of scar tissue there with Kelly. He has been injured a lot over his career. So uh, this might just be a bridge too far for a lot of coaches and they might just think it's easier to just do without him. 
Yeah, this feels like a real coin flipper to me. Um, it, yeah, it kind of sucks to get one of these decisions in the first week of the season. I think it's one of those ones. Either way, it, it's going to feel like the wrong decision. So um, I think it, if it were me personally, I would probably be holding just because what I saw on the weekend, um, I think you got to kind of back in your preseason gut. And I think Kelly looked every bit of the yeah 120-plus averaging player that owners would have hoped for. And if it does end up being a one-week injury, it does kind of feel like a wasted trade. Um, we'll move on to Rory Laird, uh, Nico. Um, he burnt a lot of us. I think you and I included both had him captain. Um, somehow yep. Bandits avoided that. Um, yeah, I mean, this is one of those. I think he's if I, if he's I think he's the most traded out player in Dream Team at the moment. Oh, in Supercoach, he's right up there. Sorry, he's been he's, he's only been traded out by three percent of teams. So Jones is actually ahead of him. So ignore that. Uh, but the fact that three percent of teams is, are trading him out is is a big sign, isn't it? That people are, are some people anyway are moving off him. Are you in that camp, or you, you've got to see some more weeks in him, right? Yeah, hopefully they're reversing those trades because um. Look, I mean, Laird will come out and he'll he'll drop a, a 140 or a 150 um, this week. I'm going to have him as vice-captain. Playing the Tigers, they don't tag. Um, so I think he copped a bit of a team tag on the weekend. So not one specific player, but I think pretty much the whole opposition were aware of him and what he was doing. And, and look, I've diagnosed him with some heat stroke. <laughs> so 37 degrees and, and human. And he actually came out and said that he didn't handle the conditions um, and he wasn't covering the ground as he normally would. And he just found found the day and the match is really, really challenging. So I'm just going to give him a, a hall pass um, for this one and just, yeah, lock in a VC score this week. So to back in that case, Nico, the four major Carlton mids, uh, George Hewitt had 89, uh, Matt Kennedy 96, uh, Adam Chera 100, and Paddy Cripps 121. So definitely, sc- definitely scores to be had against this Richmond side, as you say. Um, they do tend to be a little bit loose through the midfield on occasion. Um Bandit, anything that you saw with Laird's game that, that was really worrying or are you more in the Nico camp of, you know, it was hot in Sydney, um, just didn't feel like a, a Laird day, wasn't really up to it. Um, what do you reckon? Yeah, there were a couple of red flags just in the way that he did score. Like he only had two marks and two tackles for the for the day, which is really unlike him. I think he was averaging eight tackles a game uh, in 2022. So, um, yeah, I'll need to see a lift in his tackle numbers regardless of what he scores um, this week to probably hold him. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the Crows and the Giants bounce out of that game because it was so hot. Um, that I know there's a lot of guys cramping up in that last quarter almost to the point where, um, you know, they couldn't bring guys off the ground because there were so many guys on the interchange bench getting treatment for cramps. So, um, yeah, hopefully he's come through that game okay. As Nico said, he um, didn't handle the conditions particularly well. So, Hopefully, he's been able to get a decent week of recovery in and, um, yeah, we'll be good to go against the Tigers. For what it's worth, I'll also be putting the VC on him, mainly because I don't have any other players that I have the confidence to do that with. Um, I was kind of buying him at the start of the year for that exact purpose. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed he can bounce back. And even if he scores a, a 120, um, that wouldn't be a bad result. If my memory is right, I think it was on about 30 at quarter time. So, he scored 20 in the last three quarters of the match. Like, that's just – you just got to write that off, like – He's not that kind of player. Yeah, agreed. And I, 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 for all it's worth, all the comments sort of coming out from from Matthew Nix and the Crows post game was more of yeah, more of that sort of mentality. Of, it was just a bad game. Um, he'll bounce back. He's he's a premium player. He's the Crows' best midfielder. Um, again, it's one of those ones. I think you have to back in your, your preseason judgment there. Yeah, not sure. We're, we're, I think we're probably going to look. I hope we're going to look back on this game as a serious anomaly because I, I think I remember reading somewhere that was his lowest score since round five, 2021, or something like that. So it's been a long period of sustained success for Rory Led. Um, hopefully, he'll bounce back from this one. Uh, this is a big topic, boys. So I want to devote a little bit of time to this one. It's the rookie discussion. So. I want to chat through what you saw from your rookies over the weekend, um, where you think you might have any deficiencies, where you think that where, what you're sort of targeting for round three potentially in terms of um, downgrades. Bandit, I'll go to you first. Out of the rookies that weren't in your team, uh, did anyone jump out as, as perhaps needing some attention going into round three? Um, probably not um, in terms of bringing guys in this week. Uh, I thought Kate Chandler was was quite good at, at Melbourne um, and his job security will get a bit of a boost this week with Cozzy Pickett being out for a couple of weeks after that bump on um, on Bailey Smith. So he's definitely one to keep an eye on uh, in saying that Melbourne have quite a few players that are available this week um, that didn't play last week. So uh, it'll just be a case of uh, watch and act with him, particularly um, for this week. I wouldn't be going early on him um, by any means. Um, outside of that... 
Uh, I thought Luke Pedler was pretty good at the Crows. Um, he, I watched the first half of that game and uh, he had a bit of zip and just added something sort of forward of the ball for them. So uh, I did like his game and he's definitely someone I'm keeping an eye on heading into to week three. Uh, but outside of that, I pretty much had most of the most of the key rookies. I think we all had guys like Jinby. Um, McKenna came into a lot of teams once he was named. Um, Sheasel found his way into a lot of teams, um, particularly once the round sort of started and people were shuffling the teams around. I think a lot of people sort of pivoted away from those Flanders type of players and, and downgraded to him. Um, and yeah, most of the bench guys were, were pretty straightforward, like Constable. Um, Davey was another one. Um, Philippou, I thought, was was pretty promising at the Saints as well. So yeah, uh, yeah there's, there's, no, there's no shortage of options going around at the moment. Yeah, I think the way the sort of cards fell over the weekend, it did kind of end up with everyone having much the same rookies. Uh, like you mentioned, all those guys, uh, Bennett, the, probably the only differentiating ones were Elijah Hollands. I didn't see many people um, with him on Thursday night. I think people sort of went with Cowan ahead of him. Um, for what it's worth, I think that's the right call. I think Cowan's job security longer term is, is a lot stronger than Hollands based on that one week um, worth of data. The one, Nico, that I missed that I think I will be looking at going into round three uh, is Bodie Euland. From the Suns, um, I was really, really impressed with his game. Um, for what it's worth, he was named, the Suns sort of Twitter named him the Ostworld player of the round on debut. He had 20 disposals, nine contested possessions, um, looked really solid. I saw he took a couple of kickouts as well. Um, so he's one that I'm really looking at. Um, what did you make of his uh, debut game in, in Gold Coast Colours? Yeah, he, he looked really impressive. Um, had a wing roll, um, seemed to be pushing you know quite deep into his defence to help them out, and then got a lot of ball and was pretty clean. So I think he was a really impressive um, debut performance from, from Bodie. So I think he's well on the radar. And with, with Constable, you know, as Bandit mentioned earlier, not being able to hit a target, um, he may well keep his place uh, and, and Constable go out when players like Powell return and uh, and these guys. So, yeah, um, I was a little bit distracted, sorry, because I was trying to find Laird's lower score. Um <laughs> He got a he got a fifty nine back in twenty seventeen, but I think it was twenty fourteen before he dropped below fifty. So oh wow, um, yeah, sorry to go back to that, but um, no, yeah, very yeah, worthwhile. Uh, what is definitely on the watch list for for this week? Absolutely, um, absolutely thrilled to be honest with a couple of the the late rookie decisions that I made going into the weekend. Luke Pedler from Adelaide, um, I paid up that one seventy three k for him. Heard really good things from um, people I know that support the Crows and. Yeah, he repaid that faith in spades. He looked absolutely brilliant. Um, ended up with 83. Uh, was kind of, yeah, it was kind of almost one of the Crows' better players on the ground in the first half. Looked really, really lively. And their forward line is going to cause some issues for teams this year with uh, Rochelle and um, and uh, the guys they've got down there, Rankin as well. So I think he might be the one that, that benefits from that. He's going to get a, a you know a, a third or fourth defender at times, and he looks really, really good. So. He's another one I liked. Um, Jai Menzi from the Bombers, really impressed with him. 68 on de- uh, 68, not on debut, but uh, in his first game of the season, he was really good. Um, boys, Connor, McC- Connor McKenna, we have to just mention him in passing. Uh, I thought he was fantastic. And a Brisbane side that was really badly beaten, um, he looked like he fitted in like a glove bandit. Yeah, he, he looks solid. I mean, he's got that obvious, obviously lots of AFL experience under his belt, so he wouldn't have been overawed by... Um, playing in Adelaide in front of a, a hostile crowd. Uh, I wouldn't expect him to score like that every week, but um, this will certainly give his cash generation a pretty big boost. Um, and so he's probably a, he's well, not probably, he's definitely a must-have rookie if you haven't got him already. Um, I'd be bringing him in this week, probably. Nico, the one I wanted to ask you about, because I'm pretty sure you started with him, is uh, Noah Long from West Coast. Um, that was, did you end up going with him in the end? No, I didn't. <laughs> Oh, no, my I, God, Nico. Um, I should have stuck with my team reveal. I'd be flying right now. Your team reveal um, is nothing like what it's ended up being. No, no, no. I was. Um, I ended up trying to scrape Neil in. Um, so, yeah, I, I got rid of Noah Long, um, which, look, I don't know. He scored pretty well. I mean, he got, what, 68 or something like that? Only 30. Um, he got 63, only 38 63. team scores. So he didn't get a lot yeah. of the ball. Once again, small forward in a West Coast team. I look. Yeah, I don't think he'd be getting much more than that week to week, and he's probably going to be in and out of the team. So, yeah, um, yeah not, not a not a big deal with that one. I went, I went with the young Saints, um, 102k forward, just so I could afford Neil um, in the guts, and he looks like he's going to hold his place for a few weeks with all their injuries. So, yeah, I went that way. 
just the 67% time on ground for Noah Long. So, yeah, I'm not hugely sold on him. The other West Coast rookie that I wanted to ask you about, Bandit, because, um, yeah, I think I'd be, I'm slightly worried about him. Um, I somehow avoid, ended up dodging that bullet, but Campbell Chesser. Um, I think they've sort of come out and said um, the West Coast that it, you know it wasn't his greatest game. He uh, only scored, uh, well, he only he only scored twenty Super Coach points and had five touches. So that's not looking great, is it? Um, is there a bit of a worry for people who started with him? Yeah, I'm, I'm one of those. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if um, if he finds his way out of the team this week and just back to the waffle, so he can build a bit of confidence. Um, I think he he would definitely be a long term player for them, but uh, yeah, it just looked a little bit overawed at, at the level. So, uh, yeah, I think he'll be probably dropping back to the waffle. Um, if not this week, then definitely the next couple of weeks just to, to get a bit of confidence under his belt and then maybe come back later in the season. He's in 55% of teams. So um, that one could be a little bit of a thorn in some sides. Um, just a couple more quick fire. Uh, I thought Cam McKenzie from Hawthorne was brilliant. Um, I think the Hawks yeah, named him best on ground in their Twitter stuff as well. So he was fantastic. He's going to be a star this year. Um, and we've mentioned Sheasel. He was, you know, you know, I mean, I can't say enough about how impressive he was. 34 disposals on debut. Um, if you didn't pay up that 198k to get Sheasel, then you absolutely will have to do it by round three. Um, he was fantastic. Looks like they're going to get him, get the ball in his hands, uh, Nick Dacos style. Um, yeah, what'd you make of his game, Nico? Yeah, really, really good. Um, just wanted to to mention. I don't know if we spoke about Ginby, but he got an 80 odd, and he looked really, really good. 12 tackles. Um, so yeah, tick for him. Um, the only thing I wanted to say is, like I mentioned him earlier, but you know, Phillips being the sub, he played 53% of the game and he scored 65. I mean, it just goes yeah. to show that the kid's got talent. Uh, I'm just spewing he wasn't uh, named in the best 22, uh, but maybe he's one guy that we need to bring in for Chesser or something like that. Like you get Chesser into your mid and, and do a little sideways. That's going to be a really hard decision um, for a lot of people. I think me included. Uh, yeah, Lockie got Lucky Cowan in defence who could potentially be because it could swing Constable back there and bring in Phillips. But yeah, I don't know. That's going to be a really tricky kid decision for coaches coming up because uh, Phillips looks Phillips looks good. Phillips looks as advertised in the preseason. Um, yeah, can't really wrap my head around the fact that he wasn't named in the twenty-two. But um, yeah, Alistair Clarkson playing funny buggers and, and doing it well uh, as he usually does. Um, that probably does us for the rookies. I, I, our last big topic that I wanted to get to, boys, um, it, it's not probably as pressing as some of these other issues, but I did want to quickly talk about mid-price options. Um, I want to find out where you guys ended up going with your teams. Um, I would tell people to look at your team reveal on, on SC Playbook, Nico, but apparently that doesn't reflect anything close to what your team actually ended up being. Um, so why don't you just why don't you tell us uh, who you ended up going with, uh, with uh, from a mid-price perspective? Uh, yeah, look, so it depends how you how you um, qualify a mid-pricer, but I'll look, I'll throw Jones in there. Um, just looking at my team, Hopper, Callahan, uh, Tanner Bruin. So they're, they're the ones I went with. So I went with a bit more of a guns and rookies approach, um, where I've seen a lot of teams with, um, with a lot of mid-prices. So, yeah. Talk us through Tanner Bruin. You were at the game on Friday night. What did you make of him? Look, I thought he was okay. Like he, I, I thought he was pretty. He looked pretty absent in the first half, but he was still on forty. So I thought, okay, his he's scoring is actually not too bad. He's got he's got the right game for super coach scoring. He tackles. Um, he, he didn't use the ball very well uh, on Friday night when he did get it. Um, it was just his time on ground that was, that was the biggest issue for me. So if that was up at like eighty um, percent, he's, mm. he's probably going to be scoring at about the eighty, you know, mark, and, and that will be his floor. Um, but yeah, I think, I think maybe the injury to Stewart might've like pushed him out to a wing or something like that. So maybe, look, I think it's definitely worth another look at him this week just to see what role he's got, you know, Thursday night against the blues and if he's back in the middle and, you know, he's, he's one, he's one to keep, but yeah, hopefully he can score well. As we mentioned, I think the big worry there is the 64% time on ground. I, I did think it was kind of worth noting that um, Patrick Dangerfield only had 62% time on ground as well. So perhaps it was a rotation-based thing. Maybe the two of the, those guys were rotating through the fourth midfield spot. Um, yeah, I'm not 100% sure. I think we're going to need, as Nico said, a bit more time. Like you say, Nico, he passes the eye test. He looks like he's going to be a really good super coach player. And um, yeah, I wouldn't be definitely wouldn't be throwing the, uh, the baby out with the bathwater with that one. What about you, Bandit? Um, where did you end up landing in terms of mid-prices and how are you feeling about a few of those decisions? Uh, yeah, I went probably even less uh, mid-pricer than, than Nico, to be honest. Um, I've only got one player between uh, sort of 
was it so 300k and golden at 472k i've only got hopper in that price bracket so um fairly i guess guns and rookies i suppose as much as some of the rookies are elevated in price this year i actually went a little bit left field with one of my um sort of mid-price selections and went with um braden campbell from sydney at, at d3 um wow once we found out that yo uh, wasn't going to be playing round one i was sort of frantically looking through uh, a guy that I could potentially replace him with, having um, not a lot of confidence in, in Will Day to be to be the scorer that we thought he would he could potentially be. So, um, yeah, Campbell was one that kind of stood out to me. Um, he's a high draft pick. He's been in the system for three years now. Uh, Sydney obviously wanted to take that next step. Um, he had a really promising um, preseason game where he scored about eighty odd points, I think, and had about twenty touches. And um, yeah, he was. I thought he was actually really good against Gold Coast on the weekend. He had. Um, I think it was about 16 disposals. Disposal efficiency was really good, despite it being a pretty slippery sort of game. So, um, yeah, pretty reasonable start from him. And hopefully if he can um, put another solid game in, um, he'll give his cash generation a, a decent kick along. But, um, yeah, outside of that, I didn't really trust too many mid-prices. But I think the good thing is that there's actually lots of mid-prices that we can pivot to next week if, if they have decent games. I'm sure we can rattle through a few of them now. But... Um, yeah, the two that stood out to me were obviously um, Jason Horn francis at, at Port Adelaide and also um, Warpool at Hawthorne. I think those two guys were, were really impressive. Yeah, I agree. Those are the two for me that, yeah, the mistake... It was a I'm... bit strange. Sorry, Eddie. It was a bit strange. No, like, probably, go. like, I don't know, 40% of the mid-prices hit and 60% didn't. So it, yeah. it was just, yeah, it was really interesting to to see that strategy sort of unfold going with a, with a more mid-price route. I thought Horn Francis was, um, yeah, blindingly good on Saturday. He he was the best player on the ground by a long way, and that includes, you know, the likes of Lockie Neal and Josh Dunkley and um, Connor Rosie. And, yeah, Horn Francis was clearly the best on ground out of those guys. So he's one that I'm keeping a massive watch on. If you did start with him, that looks like a good pick. Again, I think it's similar to Dacos, Nico, that um, I don't think he's going to be able to do that every week. Um, he's so damaging with ball in hand that I, I think clubs are going to put a little bit more time into him. So... I wouldn't be surprised if he yeah, gets a little bit of attention next week against Collingwood as well. Um, Will Day, Bandit, um, Hawthorne fan, obviously. So, yeah, walk me through not starting with Day and, yeah, also walk me through what you saw from the weekend because as an owner, um, and I know he didn't score very well, I was actually pretty encouraged by what I saw. He attended some centre bounces. Uh, he got a lot of the footy. He was in open space a lot of the time. He just burnt the footy. Um, so, yeah, talk me through what you saw with him. Yeah, I can I can see what they're trying to do with him. Like they're clearly trying to make him sort of a, a midfielder who can play inside and and outside. Almost, I mean, he's nowhere near this this sort of conversation, but almost like a Bontempelli type who can sort of do both. Um, but for me, he's just he's still a bit underdeveloped. Like he's had a few issues with his body, um, so he hasn't had the time to sort of build himself into an AFL footballer physically yet. Um, and so my worry is when he does go inside, is he's going to get knocked around a bit? And we saw that on the weekend where, um, you know, he, he was going inside, but at the same time he was he was chopping the footy up a bit um, as well, which obviously didn't help given the game situation. Like Hawthorne were under the pump massively from basically the start of the second term onwards. But, um, yeah, I just didn't really see enough from him in the preseason um, to, to warrant picking him over someone like... You know, Braden Campbell, who I think there's probably more, slightly more upside with, but also a little bit less risk as well. Um, so yeah, that was that was sort of my thinking for not starting him. But um, in saying that, I think he scored like 98 AFL fantasy points. So um, he did yeah. If he can just if he can just fix up the disposal efficiency a touch, um, he should average you know mid 80s. That's what I was just looking at, and I was kind of a little bit confused as to why his dream team and super coach ratio was was so out. He had. More kicks and handballs. He took eight marks. He had four tackles. He got two free kicks, four, none against. 456 metres gained. Three clangers and went at 72%. I mean, I don't really see why there would be such a, a huge discrepancy there in, in that it was a couple of It was a couple of really short kicks that, that hurt him. Um, it was sort of mark, short kick, burn ball turnover. Um, and yeah, again, I'm not going to try and decipher some of the super coach uh, wizardry that goes on behind the scenes, but it, it did feel like it was one of those games where his super coach should have been a lot lower than his AFL fantasy. Um, the thing yeah. thing that I'm looking at here is he only had two contested possessions out of, out he of looks 22. Small. Probably, probably also depends on when he actually got those possessions as well. Like if he got most of his ball in the mm. second half and the game was over, like, that's yep, obviously yep. not going to be scaled up as high as what he would have done if the game was on the line and he was getting a lot of the ball. 
if you could swing to Warple, I mean, he had 14 contested possessions and seven clearances. Like Warple was magnificent. Um, mm. Warple looked really good. Um, he was, yeah. You know, I mean, he's if he's your best player, you you're in some trouble because he's not that good. But um, he was. He did sort of stand out in that Hawthorne midfielders uh, as being one of the better operators in there. Um, that's probably enough. He's a club. That's <laughs> probably enough time on uh, on Will Day and the Hawks. Um, another big ownership player that I think we need to talk about. Although I don't think any of us ended up starting with him, which is a good thing. Uh, was Nat Fife. We discussed him earlier, Bandit. Um, yeah, I didn't submit myself to the uh, the torture that would have been St Kilda Frio, so I didn't actually see much of the game. But by all accounts, uh, Fife couldn't get near it. Um, is that accurate? Yeah, I didn't watch much of this game either, but I did watch um, a little bit of the second half. I think he only had, I think he was on one super coach point at halftime, um, which basically sort of sums up um, how his afternoon went, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit worried about Fremantle this year. I think they could regress pretty quickly. They just don't seem to have much forward of the ball, and that's obviously why they're playing Fife in that role. Um, yeah, just just did not pass the eye test at all. I know he kicked three in that in that practice match against Port Adelaide and, and looked okay, but I think that'll Still be the exception. Not 90 the, though, didn't he? Yeah, mm. exactly. I think that'll be the exception, not the rule. So I'd, I'd be trading him this week if I, if I had him. He didn't make the distance from 40 metres out. No, he's, he's a bit cooked. He was right in that Elliot Yo sort of bracket for me where I was just desperate for everybody to, to fall for it. Um, and yeah, he's in 44% of teams, which which thrills me. Um, yeah, I, I can't believe those teams didn't watch any of his preseason apparently. Um, yeah, he's a big no for me. If you do have him, I think that's one that you will need to consider moving out. He's, the thing is, he's going to have those games where he kicks four or five and he's going to score 100 and it's going to sort of suck you back in a little bit. But yeah, the role isn't there. It's not going to be there. They've got a young midfield they need to feed. Um, yeah, I just don't see it happening. Um, we've got a lot of these to get through, so we might just brush yeah, through them. Quick. Yeah, Will Setterfield, I thought was fantastic. Um, he was really good for the Bombers. If you started with him, congratulations. He looks great. Flanders, um, I'm guessing he would have sucked a few people in. Uh, Nico, you were, sounds like you had him in your team at some point. Um, didn't end up starting with him? No, 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 never had him. Um, bit of a, okay. I always saw him as a bit of a trap, um, especially scoring well in practice matches without Took. So, yeah, no, I didn't go there. And, I mean, 64 is not the end of the world, but, yeah, probably watch and see. If he scores similar next week, you probably move him on. Indeed. Um, Finn Callahan was the only other one I wanted to mention. And, yeah, as I said before, he was really good for GWS. Nico, you've got one more for us? I've got a couple more. I thought Zeeble was really good. Um, yep. Scored 102, playing back in defense again, like he did two years ago. And Perkins scored 114. For the bombers yeah Perkins well. was fantastic Perkins was fantastic and last one from you bandit um, Dom Sheed anything that uh, sort of tickled your fancy there with him um, in that West Coast midfield yeah he, he did um, catch my eye on the weekend I think he had from memory the most CBAs of any West Coast player on the day so that is a bit of a tick there for his role um, obviously his body's got to hold up over the course of an AFL season which it hasn't done for a couple of years now but um, in terms of my team, if Hopper doesn't go very well this week, then I think um, probably Warple and Sheet are the, are the two that I'm looking at in terms of pivoting away from Hopper into, into someone else. Yeah, Warple Sorry, Eddie. too. A couple more. Um, whilst we're talking about mid-prices, there, there's quite a lot of them. Ash was a massive Love fail if you, went, if you went that way. Um, look to, to move him on. Um, at Stocker looked pretty good. So if you're looking to, to get rid of Jones, he, he might be one to easily go to. Love it, boys. Um, now, it's obviously a huge time of the year for content. So I did want to just want to give the SC Playbook subscription package a bit of a plug. Um, $50, $50 gets you the full package, and that's access to all of our NRL, AFL, and BBL content for the next 12 months. Um, but if you're not interested in the NRL and the BBL, don't worry. Uh, it's only $30 for the AFL package. That gets you extra premium articles every single round. Access to our WhatsApp group with weekly Q&As with contributors and the SC Playbook community and access to our major unlimited group prize. Uh, it's $500 top prize for the top-ranked subscriber to knock off our team, and if a non-subscriber wins, we'll split $250 each between the winner and the runner-up. If you can want to join the unlimited group, it, the code is 345511. Highly recommend getting around uh, some of the content on the website. The uh, the WhatsApp chat is absolutely popping off. Nico, you've been absolutely frothing it. <laughs> Just looking at the WhatsApp chat. Yeah, we've got yeah, questions yeah. coming through. It's great. We've got news in there. Um, the boys are all over it. It's been fantastic. So, yeah, get around that if you're keen. 
he's saying that his rage has subsided and he's put Laird back in his team, so that's good. Well done, Andrew. Very nice. That's that's good advice uh, to all of you out there, rage trading Laird. Now, I want to quickly get to our captaincy and vice-captaincy options for this week. Um, we're obviously not trading any of us at this point, I don't think. Um, Bandit, what are you looking at in terms of captains this week after your magnificent Bontempelli pick last weekend? Uh, yeah, it's a, a tough one this week. Uh, I think I will back Laird and put, put the VC on, on Laird and hope, hope he bounces back. Um, like, like we said, it's pretty much a do or die week for him. Um, if he doesn't sort of score in that 120 range at least, he's probably probably gone next week. Um, so I'll give him one more chance and, and put the VC on him. Uh, and then probably into Bontempelli under the roof uh, at, Mar- at Marvel Stadium on um, on Saturday night against the Saints. Um, should should have a field day there, hopefully. So it looks like a pretty safe bet. Love it. Nico, you're nodding your head along there. I assume you're looking at similar lines. Oh, sort of similar. VC Laird, I do agree with. Um, I do have Bont, but I'm leaning towards either Cogs or Green against the pub team out west. So, wow. Huge. Cogs yeah. captain. Imagine yeah. saying that to yourself eight months ago, Nico. What would you have? What would you, what would you have said to eight month year, eight month ago, Nico? If that's what you told him you were doing now, I, I never hated him. It was just it was always the coach's <laughs> fault. I will stand by that. <laughs> just so, threw the yeah, bait out I, there look, and, and got him nibbling. I, I think, yeah, I think, I think they're going to have a, a feast over there, the Giants in the West. So yeah, I'm trying to get involved. Yeah, love it. Um, now, guys, we're very excited to link up with Better for the 2023 footy season. So each round of the season, we're going to be producing exclusive SC Playbook special markets of our own on the Better app. Nico, you absolutely hated last week's Gorn 100-plus fantasy points into Grundy 2-plus goals, and I was about to – I was going to absolutely give it to you on this podcast if that happened to get up. Um, it very nearly did. Gorny got the 100-plus. Grundy got the one goal. He actually went one goal one, so we're very close to hitting that one. Um, this week, our round two play, and I really, really like the look of this. Uh, Errol Goulden, 100-plus fantasy points into Tom Green, 30-plus disposals. Um, I don't have the odds in front of me, actually. What What is that one paying? $3.20, I think? Yeah, I think it was 110-plus as well, Betty. It was 110-plus. You're absolutely right. That's paying $3.20 on better. So Errol Goulden, 110-plus AFL fantasy points into Tom Green, 30-plus disposals. Now, Nico, you're definitely going to take the Tom Green, 30-plus disposals, I imagine. Goulden, 110-plus as well? Yeah, I think you can do it. I think you had 99 on the weekend just gone. Um, but... Yeah, I think um, I think he'll he'll tell. I think what the Hawks they've got. So yeah, they play yeah. Hawks this week. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think um, he'll tell them up. That's yeah. a pretty good could bet. Be, could be a big day for a lot of Swans players. Indeed. Anything else you like on uh, on the better app at the moment, Nico? What are you What are you looking to, What are you looking at? I did see a little special that caught my eye, and uh, I've put a twenty on it. It's uh, Jeremy Cameron and Charlie Kernow or Kerno, however you like to pronounce it. Uh, six plus goals on when do they play Thursday night or Friday night? Um, so uh, the way Thursday the Cats night, played, yeah. yeah, the way the Cats played against the Pies, it was just really open, free scoring, high scoring game. So I can see that being quite similar. And um, unless Jeremy Cameron has a baby and he pulls out, um, I don't know what the news is there if he, if, he, if they've had their their um, their newborn or not. But yeah, Jeremy Cameron and Charlie turn out to, to have six plus goals at three dollars fifty. Love it, Nico. I'm going to be at the MCG for that game. Very excited to, to watch that unfold in person. If they do kick the uh, the six class goals between them, I think, needless to say, it'll be a very interesting game to watch. Uh, ben, and I'll be rolling it into better? the I'll be rolling it into the special as well. So. Love it, absolutely love it. Uh, yeah, tricky week. There's some some pretty tight games to be honest. I'm I'm surprised that West Coast are only two bucks against the Giants. That seems like Unders for me, based on what West Coast put out on the on the weekend against North. So, uh, GWS the line is three and a half at this point. So I reckon the Giants, if they play like they did last week, they should cover that pretty comfortably. Mm, so, That's free um, money. Yeah, GWS yeah. even GWS at dollar seventy eight the win outright, which seems um, overs to me. So uh, yeah, it might be time to jump on um, jump on the Orange Tsunami. Yeah, love it. Um, yeah, I couldn't quite believe that line when I saw it come out yesterday. I think they must be buying into some of what you were saying before, Bannon, about not knowing how GWS are going to back up um, that hot day over into WA because uh, don't know how they're only at three and a half. Um, anyway, if you want to follow along with our SC Playbook market, um, you can find the link to the market in any of our articles at scplaybook.com.au. 
All that also in our YouTube description. It's for those aged 18 plus only. And please remember to gamble responsibly. Boys, last topic I want to get to today. Um, we've had an absolute flood of really, really interesting listener questions come in. Remember, if you do want to ask the team any questions to be answered on the podcast, you can do it via our socials. We put the post up every Monday going into the Tuesday podcast. So don't forget to do that if you do want questions. Uh, the first one, Nico, comes through from Adam Sargent. He wants to know, so by some miracle, my team actually went well with a 2185, and that is very, very good. But I did play Ben King in that. He face palms emoji. Hold him for one week or punt him now. I have 148K in the bank to use as well. What do you think for Adam Sargent there, Nico? That's why you're the boss, Sergeant. Uh, so really nice scoring there, Adam. Well done, mate. That's uh, that's huge. I'm, I'm assuming you had Ben King on the field as well, which makes it even more crazy. Just one point on that. If you are going to ask a question, I think Bandit mentioned this in our in our thread, chuck your team name in there as well so we can have a search and, and try and get a bit of context uh, around a question as well, um, just so we can see exactly who you've got and, um, and give you, you know, a bit more of a tailored answer. Um, so... 19 super coach from Ben King ain't gonna ain't gonna cut it, uh, especially at his inflated price. So probably with that, um, if my maths is right, you're looking at about the 324k range. So there's only really one um, person I like in that, and that that's Warpool. So if you can do a bit of DPP magic and and get uh, Warpool in there, um, the other thing uh, you might need to maybe use another trade to, to try and get some more funds um, to, to facilitate that trade. So, I mean, the obvious one is Sheasel. Like, I don't know if you own him or not. If you don't own him, that's the most easy trade you could ever do in your life. Um, just go Ben King to Sheasel. Um, but otherwise, um, one trade on Warpool or two trades on getting the funds to get to a Jason Horn Francis or a Zeebel, something like that. I like it. I like it, Nico. I, I would also throw Archie Perkins in there at 314K as uh, if you wanted mm-hmm. to get a little spicy. Uh, Perkins looked fantastic to me on the weekend as a Bombers fan. I absolutely loved it. So he's one other one I'd chuck in the mix. Um, very well answered. A question for you here, Bandit, comes through from James Doherty on Twitter. He wants to know, can you trade a Kelly to a Callahan? If that allows you to then trade a Jones in defense to a Young slash Dacos or a Bruin to a Canelio. Um, a couple of parts to that question. Uh, Bandit, have at it. Thanks for your question, James. Uh, the short answer is yes, um, without seeing uh, James' team. Uh, those two options, I probably like the defensive one a little bit more. I think the main thing is if you're trading a primo out, the guy you're trading back in needs to be a season-long keeper. It can't be... You know, snowball of trades where you trade in a, a bit of a speculative pick and then you have to correct that later on in the season when that speculative pick doesn't work out. So main thing is if you're trading Kelly out is to bring someone in who you're going to be able to you know bank on for the rest of the season essentially. So probably like the defensive option a bit more there in terms of going um, you know Jones to, to probably Dacos of, of the ones that you mentioned. Um, I think with Bruin, um, it probably needs one more week before we pull the trigger. Um, if he doesn't yeah. score well this week... Then you should have enough cash um, to turn him into, you know, Horn Francis or someone like that, um, provided that you, um, you know, you, you maybe hang on to to that cash for another week. But um, yeah, I'm probably more of a fan of uh, Jones to to Young or, or Dacos. That probably fixes two problems really with Kelly and, and Jones. Shows you how tight it was. I read that as um, trading Kelly to Callahan and then Jones to Dacos and Bruin to Cornelia. That's why well, I was kind of like. That's a no-brainer. Tick that off. Yeah, <laughs> Two primos for one. <laughs> uh, last question for the team, which has come through from Kate on Twitter. She says, I have a question. Keen to hear thoughts on trading after the first week. Overreaction or necessary correction? I feel one week of data is not enough, but seeing some wild trading being done. Thanks. Now, I had to include this question because I think I know all of our positions on this one. And I want to throw it open to the group. Bandit, um, what do you reckon? I think we're probably all in the camp of you need to see more than one week of, uh, of data in most cases. Um, is there any exception to that rule? Yeah, spot on. I think one week of data is not enough in, in most uh, cases. Um, there, were, there were some cases over the weekend where I think you can justify trading someone out. So if you've got Fife, I think he's an obvious trade out. He looked pretty ordinary. Um, and the other one that we haven't actually spoken about was um, was Dylan Moore, who I know some people would have paid up for thinking he might play some midfield time this year, but he actually didn't have a single CBA on the weekend. So he's clearly stuck forward in that in that Hawthorne team. So he's another one who you could probably justify trading out this week because his role just isn't there 
um, and probably won't be this week either. So, um, yeah. And it's the same for mid-prices really as well. If, if they have a good first week, you want to see them back it up. So, you know, Jason Long Francis is a, is a good example. Um, or see if they can improve uh, like Hopper who had a um, bit of a quieter first week. Um, so, yeah, there's nothing wrong with uh, holding fire on trades. Just to play devil's advocate, Nico, Marrera's um, Magic, who finished top 10 in Supercoach last year, you know, one of the great fantasy Supercoach players of all time in Selby over there. He does great work. He, uh, he's been an advocate all preseason of extremely aggressive trading in Supercoach. He reckons that what, that's what rocketed him up the rankings last season in his first ever Supercoach team, so in his first ever Supercoach year. Um, so any merit to, to that strategy and really going hard early doors? I think so. Yeah, but it really just depends on how many fires you've got. So if you have taken a mid-pricer route and you've got five players that you're iffy on, you don't want to then go into next week and you can only use three trades, but you want to get rid of five players. So True. I think in that case, you need to be proactive. Um, so it really just depends on the structure you've got and how you feel about your structure. Those failed mid-prices, if you started them, that's going to need a restructure, in my opinion. So um, don't hold back. If it means using a boost, use a boost. The winner last season um, didn't use a trade at this point, but then went 3-3-3 in, in Interesting. round 3, 4, and 5. So, yeah, Very I think it time. really depends uh, on on your starting team, how many fires you've got, but it also depends on the role that the player has got um, and whether or not they can reverse the form from, from round one. Yeah, very true. I'd be watching your mid-prices very, very closely this week. Uh, boys, great podcast. Um, we've definitely gone over time today, but I think that's worthwhile. We had a lot to talk about. Um, it's been great having the both of you on. Nico and Bandit, thanks so much for joining me on this uh, lovely Tuesday evening, and uh, we'll speak to all of you next this time next week. Thanks very much, guys.